everyone, and welcome to the Kuehl Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kuehl, and we have ourselves a great show on tap for you today. Please make sure you are part of the conversation by tweeting us at the Kuehl Podcast and using the hashtag TKP or hashtag the Kuehl Podcast to let us know what you think of today's episode. I am, I guess, joined today by the usual host of the show, Alex Kuehl. Alex, how are you? Snowed in in good old Ionia. Good old Ionia, Michigan. Uh, We're doing pretty good uh, here back in Grand Rapids, which is usually like 45 minutes away, but it's like two hours in this kind of weather. Um, Well, well, yeah, especially with, I mean, just on the way over here on Monday when it wasn't even this bad, we had uh, semis fishtailing in front of us and behind us because there was one truck that had their lights covered in snow. So we were literally we were driving behind a semi with the hazards on, being like, "Hey, there's a there's a truck here. Go around." Oh man, no, it was. I mean, it's bad everywhere. For those that are not in the Midwest or Northeast, uh, it's in, or in Canada. If you're anywhere below Michigan, it's uh pretty bad up here right now. Like they're it's, they're calling this the polar vortex, the polar storm of 2019 or whatever. Well- yeah, well, the actual name of it is the mid the 2019 Midwest Polar Vortex, and we are as of right now we are um, well with the windshield and everything the coldest place on Earth. Colder than Antarctica. Yeah. Correcto mundo, Senorito. Oh wow, I didn't think it was that bad. So it's no, it's pretty. Well, you have to think also because right now Antarctica is in their quote unquote summer. That is true. Yeah, the way the country. Well, yeah, because so it's it was negative. Three today, so close to negative 20 Celsius without wind chill. Wind chill is like negative 25, everyone's saying. So that's yeah. about negative top of my well, head. Actually, it got down low just about to negative 32 earlier in the day. And it's probably going to get even colder tonight. Yeah, so it's dang near close to, you know, negative 50. It's, it's, in Celsius, it's just about the same in Fahrenheit with the wind chill. Yeah, it, it's it's that ridiculous. cold. It's that cold right now, and people are well. I we can't complain because the temperature today, or yeah, it was it yesterday in Winnipeg was negative fifty, so they're not complaining. They're they're probably sitting there thinking, "Why are you complaining?" Because I mean, of course, out there in the plains, there's not a whole lot stopping the snow and stopping the cold. Well, um, right, their 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 entire winter is just you know drift. Drift, drift, but it's light though. It's a, it's a dry snow. It's a dry cold. It's it's the opposite of Arizona. It's a it's a dry cold. No, it's not the opposite because it's still dry. Yeah, you okay, see, so you, don't, so you don't you don't get you don't get the sniffles in Winnipeg. It's just a dry, so you don't get your your nose ain't wet. Okay, your probably your nose probably still runs, but whatever. Um, anyway. But of course. Since you're gone, I'm the host today, the insider of the insiders, the host of the insider of the insiders, me. Which which makes us kicking off this show by talking about the biggest trade of the week, Jamie Alexiak. No, okay, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, for Pete's sake. Uh, I mean, th- that trade, I will say, it it's very big in the fact of what Alexiak has had to deal with within the past uh, two years, but nevertheless, I'll, well, I'll, I'll let you take well, it. Well, let's, well, I guess we can talk about it. So Jamie Alexiak gets traded yeah. from Pittsburgh to Minnesota earlier this week uh, on Monday. Monday? Yes, Monday. Monday. My days are all mixed up now. So, yes, Monday, Pittsburgh traded their 2019 fourth-round pick 
that was actually obtained by Minnesota. We'll get to that. For Jamie Alexiak that goes to Dallas. And of course, last season in December, Pittsburgh Penguins obtained Jamie Alexiak for the 2019 conditional fourth round pick. And that condition was Dallas received the earlier of the two picks between out of Pittsburgh and Minnesota. And obviously Pittsburgh finished better than Dallas, so they got the fourth round pick from Minnesota. Now, so now we got to go further back. Let's go all the way back to February 26th of 2017. The the Minnesota Wild buy might they bought Martin Hansel at the trade deadline for and they were retained half the salary and Ryan Witt, Ryan White and a 2017 fourth round pick from Arizona. For Grayson Downing, a 2017 first-round pick that became Pierre Olivier, Olivier Joseph, a 2018 second-round pick that became Kevin Ball, and a 2019 fourth conditional fourth-round pick. And the condition was if the Wild won the, a playoff round 2016-2017, which they did not, it becomes a third-round pick. So therefore, it stayed as a fourth round. So then, fast forward to the next to December 19th, or Pittsburgh obtains Michael Layton and that fourth-round pick from Arizona in exchange for Sean McGuire, John Ar- Josh Archibald, and Pittsburgh's 2019 sixth-round pick. And they flipped that fourth-round pick to Dallas to get Alexiak. And then, of course, now we have the trade that gives that fourth-round pick back to Dallas for Alexiak. Do we need to draw out the web here? Where's the uh, Where's the Charlie Day from <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Because that's what it looks like. <laughs> chalkboard, that's what we need. We need a podcast chalkboard, and we need to go back on video. Um, Either whiteboard. Actually, I prefer whiteboard because I like how it feels compared to chalkboard. No, chalkboard's cool because then, I mean, yeah, it's a pain in the butt to clean, but who cares? So, pretty much what it is is, and I'm not saying Jamie Alexiak's like a huge sell for the Penguins. I mean, let's be fair. Let's be Eric fair about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his current contract right now is currently it's in a $2,137,500 per year. Uh, with the salary actually escalating in the next couple seasons, uh, but his AAV is two point one three seven five. But the story is that if you look at it from the outside, you're thinking, "All right, are the Penguins starting to sell off, or are the, or do you see the Stars buying a defenseman?" Because that's the one thing we always joke about. It's like, "Hey, they just need a you know Ben Bishop's playing all right this year. All they needed was a good goaltender, maybe have some defense to go with the offense, and maybe Dallas would be better." Well, um, from my perspective, I mean, the Penguins aren't really losing a whole lot, and obviously, trying to—they're giving up a pretty good contract with uh, Jamie, which you said it was like two something. A little over two, yeah. A little over two each year, and I think that contract goes for another three until he's a UFA. And I mean, he's played thirty-six games just this season alone, and he's only got four goals and seven assists. I mean, he's not the biggest scoring defenseman in the world. He's more or less, no. I mean, he's going from, a, he's going to be going from a third pairing role to a second pairing role. Let's be honest. I mean, because the way Dallas, I mean, they have Mir Heisken who's really well, uh, Dan Hamus, uh, Klingberg. So you'll see him probably play close to 20 minutes a night. Correct. With the and, defense core they have. Well, and it's, and it's also kind of funny because. Funny uh, how? Funny like a clown? Funny how? Well, well, not only the situation, but depending on how soon Jamie Alexiak is thrown into the lineup, I mean, the Stars face the Minnesota Wild on the first. Well, ain't that ironic. <laughs> but but needless, I, th- I think this is a great move for Pittsburgh right now because, obviously, they're in a good position where they're not 
it, it doesn't seem like they're going for it, but then again, they just, on talent alone, they can get pretty far. Um, obviously, Dallas has been trying to contend in the playoffs for the past few years, obviously with signing the uh, Sagan deal and uh, having Ben as one of your... Uh, as one of your main guys, obviously you want to try to add some talent around them. And Jamie Lexak, even though he isn't a big contributor, I mean he can definitely you know do his dirty work behind uh, your forwards. He so brings more not, of a more of an experience to the blue line. Correct, and um, I I don't have their cap friendly looked up, but I'm pretty sure that the core, if you will, of the Dallas Stars, their defense is fairly fairly young, but kind of kind of a little bit. To his age, but a little bit less. Um, Jamie Alexiak at 26 years old, but definitely a good move for Pittsburgh because now they're getting a fourth round pick, which they can easily pick up a talent that they can nurture in their system down in Wilkesbury. He's the third highest paying defenseman on the Stars now, behind Essa Lindell and Klingberg. Uh, Heiskanen's in the first year of yeah. He Heiskanen as good as he is, he's only on his first year of his three year entry level contract, so. Jim Nell's giving himself a pat on the back right now with that. And, I mean, they're only one point behind Minnesota for third in the Central. And the Central is looking very fragile right now. Well, right, and kind of like I said, both both these teams, Dallas and Pittsburgh, uh, respectively, they're they're not in poor positioning. I think Dallas is a little bit worse off than Pittsburgh just because Pittsburgh just has that magic that they've always had in the past, I can say, decade now. Um, But... Yeah, it's just a, they're both these teams need to get some stuff going for them, and I think Pittsburgh obviously has to be looking for the future because they're not really the biggest contender right now, and then obviously Dallas is just trying to keep up with everybody else because that's what they've been doing. I mean, that's it's funny to look at the Pittsburgh Penguins like nobody's talking about it, but they are two points out of they're two they're in the holding the last wild card spot ahead of Buffalo by two points. Correct. And Carolina's next with four points. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, they're behind Boston. They're they're only, okay, to be fair, though, the Metro is still the weaker of the two divisions in the East. They're still two points. Let's put it this way. So, yeah, they're so close from falling out of the playoffs behind Buffalo. However, they are they're two wins away. They're two points behind Washington for second in the Metro. Yeah. So it's a wide range. And I'll be honest, if the Islanders can keep this momentum going, nobody's catching them. Nobody's well, the Island, catching them. I, right now, the Islanders, are they, they just have this weird thing going on. And I, I want to say it's the the nuisance of Nassau. That's what I'm calling it nice. because alliteration's fun. You mean nuance in Nassau? No, I guess nuisance in Nassau. Uh, no, they're a nuisance because going into the season, they we were didn't supposed really to suck. A, they, they were supposed to suck. We didn't really expect suck. a whole lot. But, we didn't really expect a whole lot out of the island, but all of a sudden, with Luke coming in, now they're playing at Nassau. Barry Trotz leading the team. Robin Leonard's playing like the goaltender everyone knew he could have been. They're doing something there, and I, I, I don't know what it is. but Dude, they play Boston right now. The Islanders would be playing Boston in the first round if the, if the playoffs started today. Do you know how huge that series would be for the – American Northeast. See, here's my problem with it, though. I want... Okay, it's maybe it's because I'm being a Leafs fan and being super biased. I want the Atlantic to go against the Atlantic, so I want Boston to play in the Atlantic. I want Pitt... i like to see the Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. I'll be honest. That'd be kind of interesting right now. That would be a good deal, but at the same time, I don't think that's necessarily what 
the the East needs in the playoffs because I mean think about it right now. Obviously, it's not the most ideal situation playoff-wise because ideally the city of New York would be represented by the Rangers and then the city of Boston would be obviously with the Bruins. So it would be Rangers versus Bruins because we all know how far back that goes. But even still being represented by the island um, with the Islanders, that that's just a huge thing for the American Northeast. And I, I would not mind watching a few games of that round. Well, I'm going to try to watch all of them this year since I have the nights off and and good stuff like that. Um, well, that's, a, that's a tall order to take, Tyler. Hey, I got my laptop. I got my phone. I'm pretty sure my old tablet still kind of works. Hey, I'll watch hockey on the Golf Channel. I don't care. I tip my hat off to you, Tyler, because I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. Hey, we can, if we can do Championship Sunday for that's the Premier That's a different League, story. That's true. We usually, yeah, it's that's easy. That's two people. Yeah, because... Right, that's two people. That's two with, people with two laptops, two phones, and a TV in comparison to one person with one TV, one laptop, and a phone. Yeah, what do we have? Two tablets? No, three tablets. We had your tablet, mom's tablet, my tablet. Yeah, two phones, we had a big and Manchester United on the big screen. Didn't matter yep. who. Well, because this is the worst part. Well, okay, I was gonna. We're getting way off topic. I was about to say, I'm like, well, yeah, because usually the ter- champions determined by then. But whatever. Anywho, um, talking about champions. Hopefully, champions. The Toronto Maple Leafs who are in second place in the Atlantic and 14 points behind Tampa. <laughs> can, we, can we just... No, admit, just keep going. Keep her going. Okay. Um, they made a trade on Monday, shortly after the Alexiak deal. Everyone thought, hey, the Alexiak deal, that may be the biggest con- trade uh, next week or so. And Kyle Dubas says, hold my soda, because he doesn't drink beer. Um, can we confirm that? I cannot confirm that. However, he doesn't really look like a beer drinking kind of guy. I'm sure he can admire a good craft beer. You're right. He'll, you know what? I'll be honest. It's going to sound horrible, but he looks like a mead drinker. A huge... Oh, yeah. The one where he just squinches his face every time. Uh, a Will you... Alcohol no, touches him. You drink kerosene and tell me how good it tastes, okay? That's what vodka tastes like. I'm a child of God. I don't know what you're talking about. Kerosene. Um, so the Leafs make a trade for with the Los Angeles Kings, you know... That team that had that guy, that Heisick Gilmore in the playoffs in 93? Those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys. Yes, before our time, but who cares? Still butthurt about it. Um, They traded for Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin, defenseman, good beard Jake Muzzin, great beard. He looks like his name, his last name, accurately describes his face, his facial features. You know what? There's only one thing I have bad to say about Jake Muzzin. I just wish the Z's in his names were F's. Because think about it. You have this big, hard-hitting defenseman. And his name is Muffin? Jake Muffin. Jake Muffin. Oh, my gosh. He is the hardest Muffin that'll ever get you. Dude, he's got to score on a wrister now. On tomorrow, Friday night, he's got to score on a wrister. The Muzzin Muffin. Just dude. Oh, the Muzzin Muffin. Dude, Headlines. Think about this guy. Dude, that is, a, that is a Toronto Sun. That that's a Toronto Sun headline right there. Buddy. Toronto Sun headlines. I love it. Um, but yeah, so well, either that or he lays an amazing hip check and it's go- and it says the muzzin muffin straight to the hips. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so muzzin was traded to, sorry, sorry. He's traded from LA to Toronto. LA gets Carl Grundstrom, which is a huge pickup for the future of that team. Yep. Uh, great prospect. Sean Dersey, who's currently playing for Guelph Storm. He just got traded in Owen Sound attack. I mentioned him in my, uh, recent, one of my recent, 
articles on Puck 77. Keeper moving. And a 2019 first-round pick from the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the Toronto's first-round pick. Yes. So my initial thing on this is I could have done without the first-round pick as from looking from the Leafs' side of things. However, yes, you're trying to get a top-four defenseman. You have to give up a little more. And Justin Bourne, a lot, actually a lot of people that Cap Friendly did, Justin Bourne made a really good point on this as well. Uh, of course, we talked about Steve Dangle talking about it. Nick Kiprio said the same thing. That 2019 first-round pick, giving how the Leafs are going to finish right now, is going to be a pretty high-end pick. If you can make it out of that first round, you're looking at a pick going from 20 to 30, which is pretty much a second-rounder. Correct. So, oh, sorry, go but, ahead. I will, I will say this, though. I do agree that if Dubas could have gotten away with ha- without having to trade that first-round pick, it would have been more ideal for the Maple Leafs franchise as a whole. Well, I, I, guarantee, However, that, I guarantee that's what he tried to do. You don't try to... You, you don't... Go and you try to sell low. You try to buy low. Well, right. That, that, that but of course, LA is LA is selling, and they're like, "Hey, you want this guy? We want to move him too, but you got to up the ante a little bit because there's other buyers, you know." Right, and we're talking about a guy that he's got two more years left on his current contract. He's 29 years old. He's going to be 31 after that, and he's a UFA in the 2020-21 season. This is a guy that, if he keeps up what he's been doing, he's going to be making 4.5. Five million at least. I would love to think, is this the guy that finally moves Ron Hainsey off the pedestal? I hope and, and pray. And, and you know what? With Ron Hainsey being old UFA after this year. Oh, yeah, that I, too. I was going to say old, but that's okay. <laughs> I think Ron Hainsey, this, this is going to be Ron Hainsey's last year's leaf. Well, no, duh. I don't know why, what, in what right mind. Of course, I said the same about Roman Polak, but at least Polak could prove that he could kind of play on occasion. Correct. At least in the playoffs, he could. Ron Haynes, he's not a playoff. Ryan ha- Ron Haynes is a good defenseman. doesn't matter if he's a playoff defenseman, though, or uh, or anything else kind of defenseman. He just, you can tell he's out of place. That's why it's like, that's why I want, I want Muzzin to take that spot. I want Dermott to get more time. Gardner hopefully comes back 100% here pretty soon. Hopefully the All-Star break gave him some time with those back spasms. Still say Justin Hall should get in the lineup, people. I'm still gonna, I'm gonna keep press. I'm gonna keep pressing that into the gosh darn ground. Well, well, Justin Hall is a great player to use as of right now and on a back to back because he's still he's got two more years. Friday and his, Saturday. Leafs play Friday and Saturday. That that just fair, but but think about it this way now. Your top four, because I'm not considering Ron Hainsey in the top four anymore with the addition of Muzzin. You have Morgan Riley, Nikita Zaitsev. I'm putting Jake Gardner there because I would, I'm would. i considering him as a top-four kind of defenseman. You're going to have to hear me out on that because I know you don't like Jake Gardner as much as I do. And then also you have Jake Muzzin. That's a solid four. And right now, if you take Ron, Z- Ron Hainsey out of the, uh, the equation, your remaining on contract with the Leafs defenseman is Igor Orzhiganov, who's still a young and scrapping 26-year-old, even though he's a little bit older. You have Travis Dermott at 22 years old. You have Martin, and then you have Justin Holt. Right. I mean, so you you have plenty of young guns behind this this top four core that you can work in there. And obviously, Travis Dermott, you want to get see him get more reps because that's the reason why Morgan Riley's a five million dollar player right now is because he was given the opportunity younger or earlier in his career to have the reps get that experience, become the 
I would what I would say consider to be a well seasoned veteran at this point. Right. And I mean it's it's just a big move because everyone keeps pointing the defense, the defense, the defense. And yes, everyone you can still point the right side and say, well, okay, you have a better defenseman to probably like I said, replace Ron Hainsey. But what about the right side? There is still time. There's still time. And I the one of the big things was Kyle Dubas. There's two re- from there's what Kyle Dubas said, and there's probably another reason why he moved for Jake Muzzin right now. One, my reason, it's good to get him now because people are going to be calling later. And, and he made a very good point. He wants to be he wants him to assimilate with this team a month in advance. Because if he waited until a trade deadline, that means you only have about a month, month and a half to get ready to play with this team in the playoffs. You put him in for that extra month, you come into April, and he's already clipped. There's no reason that there should be any any miscollusion, miss, not misclusion, but there shouldn't be any issues with trying to figure out, you know, the, the way the team plays, you know, the strategies, all that good stuff. Now right. you're going to have a, a much more aware defenseman with this team, a much more, uh, he's very much more familiar than he would be if he was traded at the deadline. And he's far more physical. I wouldn't say so. I think he'll come out. He'll want to send a message early. He'll want to, he'll want to prove that he can play now. I, that's why I think having this move now sooner than later. Like I said, there's still playing time. I still think Dubis is going to be making phone calls. This team is ready to win. I'm, they're not in win-now mode, but they are ready to make a solid run. And like I said, you have Muzzin for another year as well. And we ha- and you right. have the room to do so. You're going to have the room. Cause right, guess- well, even with Muzzin's contract, right now the Maple Leafs have over $4 million left in cap space. But you're gonna have, you have Matthews. You're gonna have Marner. You're gonna have Kapanen, Janssen. Yes, there's gonna be stuff that needs to be done in the off season. And now there's whispers, of course, of Matthews' contract now being pretty darn close to being signed or being you know set. There's whispers of you know moving other pieces to open up cap space for the eventual future of that and. I don't know if you really want to move anything right now if you're the least. You want to stick with what you got because it's it's going to get you to the playoffs, knock on wood. Well, he, well, here's one thing I would argue. I mean, um, I, I know you don't want to talk about trading Connor Brown or like trying to deal him away, but that's $2.1 million off the books even though he's a solid player that can play both sides. We talked about this last week, Alex. It didn't go well for anybody. I know, I know. But especially, it's 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 a huge fact that your top two paid defense or like forwards are John Tavares and William Nylander, and William Nylander's contract is basically at this point untradeable, and so is John Tavares, unless someone wants to try and, so, and, and so, like desperately and, need John Tavares, and so is Matthews, and so is Marner. So you know those four big contracts that's going to take up at least. 30 to 35, hope, well, I want to say, I'd love to say $30 million of your cap at, at most, but it's not going to happen. You're looking at 35, maybe $40 million between those four players. So and that, you know what? I, I think that puts I, us in the Edmonton Oilers conversation. That's great. Well, I, I, I hope it doesn't come to this point, but maybe having these many high-signed players is going to be the Maple Leafs' downfall. Because you've got... Tavares for a long period of time and he's already 28 years old. And that's the thing is everyone's looking at this like everyone's saying that's just the word right now is hey, 
It's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have. Well, when you lose all these key pieces, yes, you're going to have your star players. But if you don't have a guy with a depth scorer like Connor Brown, or not Connor Brown, it's going to be Casper Kapanen, and you don't have hardworking guys with skill like Andreas Janssen or good hardworking guys like um, Connor Brown, and then Zach Hyman's contract's going to be up in a couple years as well. Like, that's something they have to consider, have to, have to look at. And, and it's not like it used to be where you can just straight up up and say, hey, can we renegotiate your contract and knock it down? The CBA does not allow that anymore. Right, which so, kind of yeah. sucks because, oh, God willing, we don't want an Edmonton situation except for instead of having one Connor McDavid, we're going to have like seven. Exactly, and you you kind of can't because you need to fill out a fifty man. You know, you need fifty, you fifty roster or fifty contracts. Well, you team. don't have to have fifty contracts. You just have to have twenty three roster and, players and have an American League team to have bring to bring guys up. That's why having Trevor Moore, signing him to an extension, but he's played in such a small sample size that it's okay to sign him at only seven hundred seventy five grand. Whereas you see with Kapanen, who's going to be putting up 20 goals. And Connor Brown, who's already signed with Zach Hyman. But then Andreas Janssen, who has turned it on. You know, he had a little bit of a slow start, but he's really come on strong in the last couple months. Those are contracts with, since they are RFAs, they're going to have to go up, uh, I believe, at least 110%. Uh, it has to be 110% raise. So you're looking at 1.5 for Janssen. You're looking at at least 1.1, 1.2 for Kapanen. But that's also giving the fact that he's not going to ask for more, which if they don't, uh, their agents are going to probably be saying you need to look for someone else to, you know, to represent you. Yeah. But I mean, it's here nor there, and that's going to be filled out in the future. But obviously the biggest thing is getting a better, more depth defenseman for the eventual playoff push. Yeah. So, it's just gonna it's just gonna suck when two forwards are taking up thirty percent of the cap. It's gonna be like when you have to waive two quality players in their position, and then hopefully this one actually works out. You know, like right. like Pickard and McElhenney going away, and hoping Sparks plays well. All right, we're gonna have to let Cap. Well, here's the thing: you can't let Kapanen go because you have to sign them. They're restricted free agents unless they're offer sheeted. And I mean, that might just have to be what. Dubas does. And they may not, of course, they're not going to be the only RFAs in the offer sheet. I mean, you got Patrick Lyonne and all those others, but uh, stick in the Atlantic division. Tuka Rask is down and out. Not in the good way, either. Not in the tantric way. No, not, absolutely not. That a song that is played every single game. I'm uh, just saying it's a solid song. It's, it's, a, it's a solid song the first 250 times you hear it. After that, it gets kind of old. You wonder why I don't like Avicii? That's why. Um, but sorry. Hey, brother. Oh, no, that's fine. That's a great song. That's a beautiful song. I'm talking about Wake Me Up or whatever. Wake <laughs> Me Up. Yeah, that song. Yes, that song. Anyways. But Tuka Rask is down. Uh, he got, so right before the All-Star break on the 19th, they were playing the Rangers, and Rask got ran hard. He got actually diagnosed with a concussion after Philip Scheidel. Scheidel? Scheidel? Scheidel. Uh, Tuka Rask did not get ran. Tuka Rask had one of his defensemen throw a forward into him. Okay, well, okay, you watch in real time, looks like he runs in him, but you do see, uh, I'm believing it's McAvoy. I'm pulling up the video right now just so I can see it. Er, I actually, I don't think it was McAvoy. I want to say No, it was, it was uh, McAvoy. It was McAvoy. 
he's coming in to block cut off Chidal, and then he bumps into him, which goes into so his hip goes right into Rask, and Rask's head goes loopy. Yeah, so, if if McAvoy just gave him that space to try to get around to Rask, we would not be talking about Zach McIntyre. And of course, and of course, Jack Edwards right away. He ran him on purpose. He's taking notes from Chris Pratt. Oh, of course, Jack. You know Jack Edwards. Of course, you know. The, oh, Jack Edwards didn't say that. Well, he was clearly saying he went right at him. They were pretty, and then they watched the replay and you hear him go, "Oh." Well, wow. yeah, that's. It was. It's, it's so great. It's like human. It's human instinct I know. to be like, "Hey, you hit my goalie. You're you're a jo. You know what are you doing there, man? You're and a turducken. You're, like, you're oh. a gosh darn turducken. Well, yeah." And I understand, but it's like, it's so funny because, like, I've done it too, where I've messed up, when Thomas and I have messed up, and it's just like, uh, okay. But Jack, it's like, it's so, it's great to hear Jack Edwards just get a little slice of humble pie put in there. That's just for me. I, I, it, it enthralls me. It amuses me. Anyways. But so he's out. Rask is on IR. With a conky. And he's IR retroactive. And they're saying, since he was put on IR, they made it retroactive to the 19th. So he will not be allowed to play in the game against the Jets. That, of course, that frees up the uh, roster spot. Zach McIntyre will be taking his place on the bench. Yaroslav Halak played last night against the Jets in a shootout loss. Uh, Trent Frederick and Peters, oh gosh, Peter Salark uh, also got called up. Frederick, actually, in his first angel game, gets into a fight. And, of course, Boston loves that. Uh, Ryan Donato goes down to Providence. I'm not too, I mean, I know he's not had the best year with the Bees, but Gosh, you gotta give the kid a chance. I mean, geez. okay, can we can we talk a hot second about not only the Frederick fight, but his parents' reaction to after the fight? They were losing their stuff like he just scored his first goal. Hey, let's be honest. He may never get an opportunity like that again. If I he mean, might. hey, he might not. He and he fed him too. I don't know what Tanev was doing, what he thought he was doing, because Tanev has never been a fighter, has never been able to fight. Even if he does try to fight, it does not look pretty, as we saw. But good for Frederick to get out there. He probably thought, hey, there's this young kid. Let me go pick on him real quick. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I'm loving Don. I'm sure Don Cherry didn't say something. Look at this Frederick kid. He's got him there. He's got him a good one, too. Look at that. I don't know why Tana's fighting a rookie, but a rookie did all right. Hardworking boy. That's how it's done for the base. Uh, Watched another one of the Rock'em Sock'ems last night. Here. Watch this, guys. These are what I call the Gordy House specials. Good old elbows. Guys just throwing their elbows up and just wrecking people. Remember those days when you could just say, hey, he's going to elbow him hard. Look at that. Good, clean check. Yeah. Mark Messier in Don Cherry's eyes is the greatest player to ever play that was not named Wayne Gretzky. Or, or Bobby Orr. Or, or, or. Or, or. Or Doug Gilmore. Or Gilmore. Okay, fine. Sorry. He was the best player to play for the Oilers that was not Wayne Gretzky. Is that better? Fair. Eric Fair. Uh, so, but, I mean, that's tough. But, of course, Yaroslav Alok has proven this year for the for the Bruins that he can play. He looks like he's having quite a quite a bit of a a rebirth, if you will. So, I'm glad for him. Good to see him doing well. And I'm, it stinks that Tuka's out because he's having quite a bit of a better. He's, he's starting to pick up his game a little bit. But So, it'll be see what they do from here on. Yes. Moving along. Donald Fair, for some reason, is in the news. I don't like it. I hate when he talks. He's not a good talker. He's an ugly person. Yeah. I don't know why he represents the players. Players should vote on that. 
It's a democracy, right? So, Alex, you probably you, this was your new and this was your idea here. I uh, talked a little bit about the, of course, the CBA because he'll be at the forefront of that. Unfortunately, again for everyone else. Also talked about player tracking and all other good stuff. Yeah. So I'm uh, just just for you uh, fans out there. So I'm getting this off the ESPN article. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. None other than none other by uh, Emily Kaplan, who I'm a uh, quite a fan of, and then also Greg Wyshynski. Greg Wyshynski. Greg Wyshynski. Good so guy. obviously this 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 interview was conducted over the All Star weekend. Um, down in San Jose, San Jose. Um, San Jose. Good friends out there in San Jose. Hey, San Jose, how we doing? And, and, and well, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of listeners down from San Jose. But needless to say, um, he was, you know, obviously they're trying to talk about the uh, collective bargaining agreement that expires in the on the September in the 22 year. And from there, they uh, obviously... Gary Bettman has been repeatedly saying that they're not looking for a fight in this situation um, because this would be the fourth uh, lockout in Bettman's time as the first and only commissioner of the NHL. Even when John Ziegler was in office, nobody did a thing. (laughs) So he was, the first question he was asked was, the mantra from Gary Bettman has been that the league is not looking for a fight. Are the players looking for a fight? End quote. Donald Fair responded saying, no, of course the players are not looking for a fight. The players' view is what it always has been. And what I expressed in the last go-around ad nauseum is that from the players' standpoint, a work stoppage is the last resort you come to. You only do it when that's a better option than the agreements that are on the table. That hasn't been the management practice in a number of sports in the last 35 or 40 years, but hopefully this time we we will be different and we will see. So Um, I'm getting the vibe that I, I just, I'm sorry. At the last two, I just cannot trust Donald Fair. I cannot do this. I I refuse to have faith in a guy that consistently showed that he just seems so stuck up. I I don't I don't get it. He, I hear him. I listen to his words, and he you know it seems like he means well. But I understand this is why he's brought on. He can he can take the upfront brunt of all the you know the media, the fans, the critics, whatever. That's his job. But I just don't have confidence in him that I'm not. I don't. I can't trust a word he says. I. Well, well, I, I think that comes from the fact that he doesn't talk like a player. I, I think that's where you're coming from. Because no, he's and that's. I, I'm not saying that's the worst part of him not talking like a player. I just want him to just not. I don't say don't talk, but give me a reason to trust you. Like I said, this is what happens when you have when you're when you go through a lockout and when you're put in the situation. Like, I mean, let's say let's just say hi. You know, hypothetically, Brandon Shanahan in 2004 is the NHLPA president, whatever. He Even even while he's playing, whatever. And the league lockout happens, and he's in charge of everything. He's the reason why there's a lockout still going on. Guess what? The I would I would be looking at Shanahan and thinking, well, of course, the, the 0405 lockout was more of the owners or whatever. That's neither here nor there. And the players as well. But it's like you'd point at Shanahan like, all right, that was a little shady. And you wouldn't you wouldn't trust him right away. So if if Donnie Fair is not just talking out his keister about this, all right. If I I want results, I'm sorry, I want I want by the beginning of next season, next fall, 
them to say, all right, we're going to keep, we're going to go through the end of the CBA. We're going to go all the way through 2022. All right, I'll have a little bit more faith then. But until that happens, until I see legitimate physical results from this, positive results, I'm not going to believe a word anyone says. There have been three lockouts in my lifetime. I don't want to see another one. Sure, the first one I was infant. Uh, it was a fetus for some of it. But it's just, I don't want to see it again. Well, I mean, you, you, I mean, kind of jokingly, you, you've been the person that says, don't, don't worry about it, guys. The lockout's coming up. Lock, don't, the lockout year. You know, but I mean, you're right. The I lockout's at, coming. You're right. Exactly. I, I look at Donald Fair, and I, it's not it's not the fact that I trust him necessarily. It's the fact that the reason why there are lockouts is because you know players want one thing, and then the league only wants to give up so much. Right. Because I will say this as you know, a baseline: the NHL is one of the best leagues to play in because these players have. An extended, you know, lifespan when it comes to career at the highest level possible. And even though they're not making, you know, the millions and millions and millions like the NBA or, you know, the NFL or whatever, you you don't feel like your your career is cut too short. And after the NHL, obviously there are other options for you, unlike the NBA or the NFL, where the best you could do is the second tier, you know, league. And then other than that, what do you have left? You know, there's no other premier leagues after that. Right. Um, so I, I, I know that Donald fair will do what's best for the players association, but uh, not maybe not necessarily for the players, but we'll, but okay. So keep going on the interview. Um, one of the things that kind of interests you more, Tyler, is they were talking about um, potential dates for the uh, next World Cup, and they uh, or Fair responded saying that February of the twenty twenty one. Or February of 2021 is the next possible date. That's what World that's Cup. what Donald Fair said. Like I said just a minute ago, it's it's I can. Yeah. All right, words great. Where's paper? Where's pen and paper? I don't. First of all, I can say you, this right you, now. Tyler, you have it, to understand. You have to remember, it's not just Donald Fair in these situations. I understand. Even but, though, even even though he's the top guy, and we talked about this with uh, Shirelli just last week. Even though he is the one being put under the microscope he's the one with all the flashing lights in his face there's more stuff behind that there's you know there's all these different factors that you have to put in with you know money time location and all there's there's so, there's so many factors that you can't just throw onto one person right? right because it's it's not only the players association and it's not just donald fair because he not he's not the only person representing the nhlpa and the cba right just at just the same point as Gary Bettman is not the only person representing the NHL. Obviously, he's the one with all the lights and the you know the cameras in his face, but he's not the only person. There's other stuff and other outside factors than Donald Fair and Gary Bettman. Because I'm, I'll be completely honest, they asked him uh, a question that the meetings as of late have been with lack of tension, which is very good for trying to not have a lockout. To be completely honest, if Gary Bettman and 
Donald Fair were the two, only two people in that room trying to figure stuff out, I'm pretty sure they had this done by now. But it's the fact that there's more things than just these two people that allows this for t- to take so long. And the reason why, you know, we have these work short stoppages, in which thankfully we have had one in quite some time, but nevertheless... Sometimes things have to happen like this, and the NHL is such a good and accepting league that they have to do these kind of things where they they potentially have to have work stoppages because they they think of the players as a whole. It's not just the star players and then what the scraps are left over, like in some other leagues. But I'm not going to say that. Right. But it's like I, first of all, I'm not going to get too far into the World Cup because simply because of the fact that. First of all, doing it in the middle of the season be kind of dumb. I mean, you're almost like, hey, guys, here's preparing for the Olympics, just letting you guys know. But my biggest thing with the Donald Fair, um, and I'm glad uh, Greg and Emily got into this, simply because of the fact that they talked about the domestic abuse. They talked about the domestic abuse cases. I yep. And the way Fair responded it is so lawyerish that it just rip, it just gets under my skin. Um, so one of the questions well, asked, well, how does it get under your skin? A lot, let me just go into it here. Okay. First of all, okay. the NHL is the only, uh, you know, they asked Don, they asked go Donnie boy. The NHL is the only of the four North American major professional sports without domestic violence policy. Do you believe there needs to be one? And it says, it depends on what you mean by that Two or quote. It depends on what you mean by that. Two things you could have, you could have a domestic violence policy and we're going to label things, domestic violence and these things, other things not. And we're going to have hard and fast rules. Or you can say, and this is what the NHL has done, if we have inappropriate conduct, wrongful conduct, whether it's domestic violence or it's not, we can value each case on its own merits and then make a judgment as to what needs to be done. And third parties can make judgments uh, to act properly, normally how disciplinary works. Um, and then he also I agree with that. And he keeps going saying, I'm old school. I think we ought to be bright enough to recognize conduct, whether or not that whether or not there is written policy. Now, if over time you would get a number of matters developed, you could say look into it. But he keeps he keeps going on. But then then they ask him, "Do you believe the commissioner has been fair in the discipline uh, for the incidents?" And Don and he comes out and says, "I don't talk about the individual cases." So pretty much shooting down the question almost right off the hop. And he also continues to go on with the players have the right to appeal. So, so hold on, hold so on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish the quote. Here. Let me let me let me let me finish the quote here. The the players have the right to appeal. Everyone ought to have a right to appeal under those circumstances. I will tell you that the discipline, especially in the last case of Austin Watson, even if the arbitrator ruled, was very severe. 18 games is a long time. I'm not going to get too far in the Austin Watson thing because he's already going back to stage two substance abuse program the the league's going to put him under. But that is strictly the NHL PA talking. That is not the human aspect of it. That's well, my yes. that's my problem with it. Yes, I know you're representing the player association. But the players, the players, we, 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 we talked about it when it first came out. The, there's no way the players, okay, there is some way, but I'm sure the players realize, okay, this is wrong. Yes, he has the right to appeal, but. Okay, I'll put, I'll put it this way. I, I see I see your point in the fact that he's not talking on a human to human level and he's talking more business like because I know I know you you're not a big fan of that personally which is fine because that that's just the kind of person you are and I respect that but 
to the same point, asking Donald Fair something like that with the answer that he gave, it's basically like asking, you know, the Prime Minister of Canada what he thinks about um, Vladimir Putin. Now, in all actuality, the answer that he has to give has to be, be very diplomatic and has to be very prim and proper. He cannot go out and straight... He, like, behind closed doors, Trudeau might think, oh, Vladimir Putin is this, that, and the other thing. But he can't say that because that's just not what you do. You have to be very selective in the words you say. And obviously with the one, um, the one question that he shot down right then and there, that was a smart move on Donald Fair's part because sometimes not saying anything at all is the smartest thing you can say. Because, especially in this day and age where everything is dissected and everything is recorded very well and there's no, like, going back and re- doing a retake, everything is live and done just that way, you have to make sure that everything you say and everything you do is highly calculated. So, honestly, I, I understand why that might get under your skin, but think of it this way. Donald's fair when taking interviews like this, this you're, you're asking the representative of the players association now if you were to you know drink a couple beers with them and then talk about it in his basement i'm pretty sure donald fair would give you a completely different answer does that make sense sort of kind of maybe sort of yes uh it's just it's just yeah. I, I understand what i understand it's just man. but uh, of course they do go on to ask about uh, player tracking which was brought up in the All-Star game, All-Star weekend. Uh, we'll get into that here in just a second. But the way they what they asked him about, it's it's interesting to ask, you know, they're using data for, they want to use data for contract negotiations. They're talking about using the player tracking to be used in contract negotiations. You know, how players are, whatnot. And once again, Donald Fair, I don't want to say fended off the question, but he, he definitely could tell he was like aloof, sort of. Um he went on to say, you know, there are some people that are concerned about making additional information available. Sometimes you hear from people who would say, look, I know what my job is and I'm half a second slower than I used than I was two years ago. As long as I am what I, what the, I'm there when I'm supposed to be, what's the difference? And it is interesting, Alex, to think, you know, you will see that kind of information. Like, you know, go into a contract year. Hey, you know, throw a name out there. I guess we can use James and Reamsdyke. If you had player tracking on him and it wasn't just an eye test, if you didn't have, if you had consistent eyes on him, you'd be able to see it. Obviously, we watched him the last few years. You know he's not the fastest player in the world. You would know that defensively he'd be a liability. He may not be worth $7 million. Is And these contract negotiations, and using him as contract negotiations could really, could really wreck some guys' you know futures. I mean... I mean, let's be honest. If John Tavares, yeah, hey John, we first signed you. You know, you were putting up, you know, points. You were this fast. You were this quick. You were this time on ice was higher. You were able to go for longer. You played this many games. We're at the end of your loving your contract. I don't know if we want to extend you now. Whether or not at the end of his contract, what he wants to do is up to him. But I mean, that would kind of really put a detriment to you. Well, that you do bring up good points there because as of right now, of course, I bring up good points. That's what I do. Well, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. I always, um, I am 100% <laughs> perfect all the time. But, you know, currently in the league and in other leagues, it's 
it's considered a benefit to be more seasoned and to be, you know, a little bit older, to have more experience. So if we were comparing it in that respect where players are getting slower as they age and maybe they're not putting up as much points necessarily, obviously that would be, you know, detrimental to people's contracts and obviously with extensions and then people trying to pick them up off of free agency markets, something like that. But to another token, what if from an eye test, a player is not doing so hot? Like a player that maybe doesn't play a whole lot, only plays on back-to-backs, something like that. But if they take the stats that we get from player tracking, like, wow, this player skates just as fast as Connor McDavid does all night long. Anthony Greco is going to be great with player tracking if he ever gets called up. <laughs> well, okay, so, so you, great, great point. Say Greco plays one game in the show. and In the National. And they, you know, they take his stats from that one game and then Connor McDavid's most recent game stats. And then they compare the two and they say, wow, Greco skates this time, like this much faster. And he's, he's actually plays this much better than McDavid per minute. And, you know, depending on the mile per hour and how many times he touched the puck during the game. So by the, by how much he touches the puck, he's actually a better player than Connor McDavid. Well, so not, that's so why, I, sorry, go ahead. So, so then you have two options in that situation. If you're going to compare the two, you could say that since per second that Greco's on the ice, he's better than Connor McDavid. He deserves more money than Connor McDavid. Oh no! Or, because or, sorry, okay, you going. have you have Connor McDavid is this much less effective on the ice than Greco over here. Next time he gets a contract signed or whatever, he's going to be taking a whole lot less. He's going to be making as much as a minor league player. And that is why you have to understand that there will be people to watch the games, watch how they play, where they go on the ice, how they play, how how yes, how fast they are and how hard their shots are, whatever. That will affect some things. However, well, no, hold on. I okay. it's I mean, that's why I think yes, it's good to track stuff like that. That's why you have current analytics now. You have guys that run Corsi forward to the ground. They have guys that are following PDO religiously, which works. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say it doesn't work. I sure I'm not. I'm still not the most understanding of the hardcore analytics, but there is substance to it. Now, saying whether or not that could dictate contract negotiations is up in the air. It's very new. It's very green. We haven't got a firm grasp on what, how we want to use it, how the league wants to use it. The, I mean, the all-star game was just a weird, Hey, here's what we can do. It's obviously different in a, in the skill, in a skill level like that and kind of that kind of an environment. But I just, I don't know if and like I said, the players will have to fully agree on to it. If they really, really want it full time. Right. But I really think, it's still going to be you have to watch the game. You can't just go on your computer and say, all right, he was this fast, this fast, this fast in this game. All right, but did you see where he was playing, how he was playing? What? Well, now, now you have to also remember, it's the people that are already doing the stats and stuff for these different organizations, they're not going to be paying a whole lot of attention to this player tracking thing. Obviously, it might help a little bit, but that's not where they're getting most of the data from. This the player tracking thing is more for 
the fans, the fans that want to know more about stats but don't really get into it. So they're like, oh, wow, this guy's skating this much faster than one of uh, the players I was watching the other day on, on the television. You know, it's, it's, it's more for the casual fan. And I think it's going to do a lot of good things and potentially maybe a, a few bad things. I know with the, I mean, talking about the Greg Wyshynski uh, article on ESPN. He was talking about how this could, you know, boost the amount of betting and gambling that's done with the NHL, saying that, oh... He's going to go an average speed of 15.6 miles an hour. Right, like like how much you want to bet that John Tavares doesn't have a shot faster than... Or if he doesn't... If 78 he, miles an hour. Or tonight. if he doesn't get, you know, more than three shots in the first period or something dumb like that, you know? Well, the shots thing, that's that's already gambleable. It's it's, it's the more gambleable stuff that player is it is it gambleable, Alex? Gambleable? Gambleable. It's a gambleable. Gambleable. No? It's it's a gambleable stat. It's a gambleable stat. Well, I'm gonna tell something taller. It's gambleable and all. It's gambleable. I like gambling a lot. Gambleable. Speaking of which, reminds me, Kelly, we gotta go to Dave and Buster's one of these days. I, oh, I yeah. guess Katie wants to go to Dave and Buster's too. So, oh, Kelly's excited. I guess we're going after Katie's birthday because then she'll be able to ingest uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, the food. Eh, we. I mean, we'll still eat there, but it's. I mean, don't be surprised. When, okay, when's Katie's birthday? Kelly wants to know. The tenth of February. All right, so the sometimes she's already the, booked. Sorry. Well, not on her birthday. I'm talking. It's got to be on a Wednesday because the Wednesday's still the power hour. Th- oh yeah, we're still doing the podcast. Kelly, we're not Kelly, do it on a Wednesday because I have class, bud. Oh well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Sorry. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Kelly's Anyways, over here wondering for herself. Oh yeah, so how do we? Oh, gambling, right? Because I'm like, because Kelly likes to. Kelly can never last in a casino. Gambleable, Um, but yeah, I agree. It'll be something interesting. I don't know how it's going to go, but yeah. with the tracking that was using the All Star game, let's talk about the All Star weekend. It was ironically in you know the place where Donnie Fair did this interview in San Jose, where the biggest fan base of the Kill Podcast lays. We think we're not quite sure. No, I mean according to our data stats on SoundCloud. According to way, our according sure. to our podcast tracking statistics with the microchip that's used in our podcast, uh, uh the Kill Podcast has the biggest listens. According to his listening, uh, the listening's a lot out in the West Coast and the Pacific Division, and alongside there's quite a few people everywhere else in the world. And you know you wanna know why we have such a great following in San Jose? Uh what? Redburns. Brent Burns. Brent Burns. Brent Burns. Uh, so anyways, the All-Star Weekend, the Metro Division beat the Central Division to win the uh, win the tournament, if you will, because Jimmy Howard cost the Atlantic because someone allowed Jimmy Howard in an All-Star game. Trust me, I gave that to Thomas all day long. I'm like, you know what, Thomas? Atlantic would have had a chance to win if Jimmy Howard didn't play in that. And he's like, and you could see his steam coming out of his ears. But of course, I, I still think it's stupid that it's just not East versus West or North America versus the world, but you're, continue. You're right. We're, uh, well, I'm kind of, well, of course, remember how I picked the Pacific to win the Western game and the Central uh, 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 whooped them. <laughs> that was not even a game. It was more or less a competition. But 
The biggest story coming out of the weekend, though, had to have been the skills competition. And not because Connor McDavid won another speed skating competition. Not because, you know, Leon Dreisaitl won the pass competition. We'll get to that. Get uh, on with it. I don't even know who won, who won the hardest shot. I don't remember who did that. I mean, There of course, were girls there, Tyler. Yes, there were. They were girls all across. And it was actually, it was really cool because it was more or less, okay, so it was more or less a joke because, well, not a joke, excuse me. Nathan McKinnon was going, supposed to partake in this fastest skater competition. Uh, he's injured with his ankle. And so he sent a tweet out saying, hey, Kendall Coyne, Kendall Coyne, Schofield, that is, you should come out and take my spot. I'm like, well, what if we bring other players in? So they brought, so Kendall Coyne, who has played plays for Minnesota and then the NWHL, and then Brianna Decker came out and Rebecca Johnson came out, Brianna Decker, American, Rebecca Johnson, Canadian, uh, both play for the Calgary Inferno, and Renata Fast came from the Furies in Toronto and the CWHL. And so, of course, how does it affect Toronto? Well, there you go. So, Kenna Quinn Schofield sets an incredible... She was sixth fastest in the fast skater. It was ridiculous. Like, she went full tilt. Well, no, no, duh. I mean, I know, I mean, yes, I know you want to go fast and you want to be the best, but, like, I mean, that was, like... And she showed up, these guys. Like... Well, Tyler, you got to think. This is the NHL All-Star Weekend. This is... Mainly guys. Literally before this round, I think there's maybe been only how many occasions where there's been a female on the ice. I don't think. I'm trying, had, I can't. You think gotta it. represent. I can't and think. Obviously, but. she she did not let her opportunity go to waste. And then, and she did a really good job, and a lot of people have fallen for her for it. And then, of course, Brianna Decker set the set the best time in the passing competition. We went in 66 seconds. However, Leon Dreisaitl won the competition and the check with 69 seconds. Yes, that's a nice number. However, nice. Decker won the competition. So, of course, everyone loses their mind, myself included. Hashtag pay Decker probably became the hashtag of the weekend. And everyone lost their mind. And then CCM, gosh, bless them, they came out and said, hey, we'll pay her. We'll pay her $25,000. And everyone's like, yeah, good job. And everyone's like, yeah, we should pay everyone. So all the, so Johnson, Fast, Decker, and Coin all they all got twenty five grand for partake partaking the all for partaking in the All Star Skills Competition. So yes, um, I'll get to another couple points here. Uh, Rebecca Johnson competed in the puck control relay. Of course, like everyone else, had a little bit of trouble with the flip puck. And the issue I have with the Renata Fast, I'll make this. I'll try to make this brief. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to tell me about this because I didn't read into this too much. So Renata Fast, if you so if you're watching on uh, Sportsnet, you see the whole thing. Renata Fast, uh, you know she she partook in the accuracy shooting competition. If you're watching NBC, you got to watch Jeremy Roenick highlights from 2004. Woo! I mean, if you want to know my honest opinion about NBC, just go back to our Angry August episode. But isn't it kind of sh- gutless and stupid? For NBC, yes, I know this is a Canadian women's player in the Canadian Tyler, women's league. Tyler, I'm going to stop you right there. You're going to have to pick another like trait other than gutless because you use that too much, bud. All right, I'm not going. I can't can't say chauvinistic, but it's like it's pathetic that you would think about like, hey, let's watch her shoot, and then we can show Jeremy Roenick's highlights from 15 years ago when he mattered. I mean, it's listen, I'm. Just a week ago, I was backing Jeremy Roenick when he bashed the Oilers. And now here I am saying, like, it's, I know, listen, I know it's NBC that did this, but NBC should know 
when someone's shooting, they should be allowed to do it. They should be allowed to show them shooting, allowing them do their thing, not go off and show something old. Why would you do that? The American viewers had to see something that, who cares what Jeremy Rohn did? I want to see how Renata Fast is going to do. Thankfully, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't understand NBC. I was kind of annoyed. I mean, like I said, it's just NBC. I don't like them. I'm kind of annoyed by it. But going back to the overall fact that we had women in this, uh, at the skills competition, let's, uh, I'm going to quick pull this up here. I don't know why I didn't have this up, but the NWHL and CWHL, and there's going to be talks, we've talked about it kind of off air more or less. There, there are teams in regions where, you know, see women's teams where there's NHL teams as well. So, oh, yeah, that's usually how it goes. Right. And I'm curious to think what would happen if, this is a huge if, of course, obviously you'd have to have the whole East and West deal this, in order for this to happen. But what if you ever thought of having the women players play in the game, the All-Star game as well? Well, that 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 is a discussion that has been brought up because obviously with all these players you know, just being in the skills competition, the next step would be to have the first player to be in the actual all-star game. So let me just, I guess I can kind of just quick bring this one up. Let me let me go through the teams here uh, that have markets. Uh, obviously, in the CWHL, there's the Vancouver Rays, the Chinese team. But then you have, you have the Calgary Inferno. So you have your Calgary Flames. Yes. You have, you have Montreal. You yep. Lake Canadian to Montreal. You have the Markham Thunder, which... Okay, Markham could be put in Dallas's as for Dallas because they have the Dallas-looking sweaters, so you could do that if you wanted to. And then you have Toronto Fury. Well, well, where is Markham? It's just it's suburb of Toronto. I know it's about there. Um, so, so then you have the Furies, Toronto Furies, and they have the Worcester Blades, which used to be the original Boston Blades, but then the Boston Pride came in and kind of kicked them out. So then you go over the W eight and WHL, and you have the Boston Pride for the Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Buttes for the Buffalo Sabers. Connecticut Whale, they're in Connecticut. They're kind of in an odd spot. They're played in Stanford, so I don't know where you'd want to put them. Would you want to put them with the Carolina Hurricanes? I don't know. Uh, you got the Metro Riveteers who play in New Jersey, and, of course, the Minnesota Whitecaps where um, Kendall Coyne plays for. So what, what I'm trying to say is you'd have, you could have, like, a player from each of those teams come to the All-Star game and represent the East or the West if you did the, uh, the, the All-Star game East and West style. I mean, it'd be something. The only hard part, under the current format, it'd be tougher just to simply the fact that, not obviously, there's no Pacific teams, with the exception of Calgary, um, that'd be represented. Well, you also have to think of it this way. When all these players came to the All-Star weekend, they were not wearing WHL or... You know, oh yeah, the they were wearing they were wearing the U.S. and Canada sweaters. Hockey Canada and USA Hockey. That's what they were wearing. They were representing the country that they originate from. They're not representing the NWHL. Right, and so when they do initially, you know, play in an All Star game, you're probably going to see, you know. 
them representing Hockey Canada and, you know, USA Hockey in comparison to the NWHL. I, I, like, I like the idea that you have, don't get me wrong, but to the same token, that's one thing I was thinking about when you, you know, you were, you were starting to talk about, you know, having, you know, a, a you know, Kendall Coin Schofield, you know, representing the potentially the entire city of Minnesota instead of having an NHL player from Minnesota. No, not and, well, they wouldn't do that. They'd figure it out. Well, like, so if you let's like, say you just took one team, so if Calgary, take a player from the Calgary Inferno, I take Brianna Decker, then you have a player in the Pacific Division. You take. Kendall Coyne from Minnesota. There, it's a central division. You take either, you know, Marie Poulin is still playing for Canadians, but then you also have, you know, of course, like you have Renata Fast, you have the team representing the Atlantic division or a player from Boston, whatever. And then you have kind of like Amanda Kessel, who currently right now is leading the NWHL in in leading assist. There's a player you could have represent the Metro division. Those darn Kessels, but there's assists. The assists? <laughs> assists? Um, but no, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you could pull it off. Yes, it would take a lot of work. Well, it wouldn't take a whole lot of work. Well, you no, it, just, it takes... You just, well, you'd have to flip you, the format. You have to figure, You have to coincide with the leagues, the NWHL and CWHL. And, of course, well, we all can hope and pray for the day that the two leagues finally combine and you can have one big league, one hopefully profitable league... Like I said, Tyler, I'm pretty. I, I don't think I don't think it'd be the NHL working with the NWHL and you know the Canadian Women's League. It would be more along the lines of the NHL reaching out to a couple players from Hockey Canada and USA Hockey. But I, I'm not. Here's the thing. I don't think. Why wouldn't you want to try? It, 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 you want to grow the game. NHL is all about growing the game. That's the best way to do it. Well, but you also have to think of this. USA women's USA hockey is second tier to men's USA hockey, and that's just based on you know how long they've been around. Right. So, do you want to even go a step lower than that? Because women's international hockey is far more popular than women's, you know, like the NWHL and Canadian Women's Hockey League. And, and that's, I'm not saying that to, you know, try to offend anybody or be rude, but that's just how it is right now. Correct. And that's why people, that's why this is such a big deal. And that's right. why, so and that's, not, that's why when they're involving these players, I think it'd be better marketable. It'd be more marketable to have them representing women's hockey in Canada and women's hockey in the United States in comparison to I'm representing the Minnesota team from the NWHL. Does that make sense? They, I do. Under, I do agree, but I, I just think it's the best way to. I, the best way to grow the game is to get it. And we've. I've said. I've always been an advocate for it, having a professional league. And when the Canadian Women's League first started and the NWHL first started, I was kind of like, all right, let's see how she goes because it's been tried before and it's failed dramatically. But these two leagues seem like they're kind of. They're gaining some momentum together, and I think a good way to do it, if you want a real, if you want like a climax of development of a league, getting the league notoriety with the NHL. Well, it, it, it would just, it would, well, because here's because no offense, I mean, let's be honest, Alex, the Canadian women's, the Canadian women's hockey league, the championship game, the All Star game, they have, they're they're on Sportsnet all the time. There's games all the time on Sportsnet, at least Sportsnet 360. 
How often do you watch an NWHL game? I mean, yes, you can never. look at you can look I at it. Never, I have never watched a non-international play women's hockey game exactly. unless it was college. College, yes, so there you go. But that's what I'm trying to say is like the best way to grow the game is to enhance the professional leagues. And if you can get the word out there about hey, the Buffalo Buttes are playing Boston on Saturday night, come watch uh, this. Um, you know, you go out and watch Maddie Aaliyah, one of the best, one of the top scorers right now in the league. We'll watch her play. Hey, remember we we just saw her in the in the All Star game last week representing Buffalo in the Atlantic Division, and had a really good game. Had a couple, had a goal and an assist or something like that. That's marketable, and it profits the league, and it profits the Canadian women's hockey league. When you have players like Philippe Poulin maybe playing in it, you have, like I said, Brianna Decker playing in it. We're not a fast. Would Sarah Nurse ever get an opportunity? Who knows? But that's what I'm trying to say. Like, getting those players, I just, you want to grow the game. For ha, Show players that there's more than just, hey, play some college. Maybe you play some few international games. There you go. Show them there, there's a future past college, more than international. That's what is going to grow this game into making it a profitable and profitable and a worth a worthy investment. Not just well, in not just in well, the league, but in the players that want to do it. Well I'll say this. You know, with obviously having the NHL, you know, all star game in like being involved, the next step from there is having them, you know, playing in the all star game itself. And and then from there, you know, people have been talking because it's possible, you know, it, it may not happen for a while, but it's um, down the line. It's definitely possible to have, you know, having the NHL being the first ever North American professional league to be co-ed. Wow, that, that that's a bold, that's a, that's a bold statement. I wouldn't say hot take, but that's that's pretty. It's it's a bold statement. Don't get me wrong, but think of it this way. The WNBA has been long has been around longer than the NWHL and the and the Canadian Women's Hockey League. But, but when when was the last time you saw a uh, women's a, a WNBA player not even not even in the All Star game, but just per, like in the All Star competition? You oh, know, wait, there's, there's, I'm pretty I'm there, pretty sure never. There's going to be some pushback. I'm going to say there's going to be some pushback now. So you're going to go to NBA All Star weekend and guess what you're going to see. <laughs> That'd be NBA players, probably. And hey, you know what's going to happen? All the NHL fans are going to be looking to the NBA fans and be like, yeah, we did it first. Well, yeah. First. Sh- shockingly enough. So, but I think so, it was, so, I think yeah. it was, in all, in all for women's hockey, it was a very successful weekend and it was something that nobody expected to really, I mean, who knows what was going to happen? I mean, who knew that it was going to go so well for Kendall Coyne and Decker? I mean, it could have been pretty embarrassing. Yeah, but if, they, if it didn't they go well, it would have been it would have been a travesty. For well, Kendall, I think it was was it Kendall Coyne or Brandon Decker made a very it was a very legitimate quote and very serious, but at the same time very knowledgeable. She made a point and said if we went on that stage and messed up, it puts the game back twenty years, and that's just the truth of it. Well, they, there's no doubt. And but they stepped up and did an amazing job, and credit for kudos to the league for stepping you know going up going along with it and allowing them to take the stage. And the great job for them for taking that stage and putting on a heck of a performance. So yeah. uh, now moving on. Um, I don't want to get into the Kootenay stuff too much, but uh, a little, I guess, a little junior hockey news. I re- recently, 
There's a shameless plug of mine. Recently wrote, wrote an article last night on Puck 77 regarding the Kootenay Ice. They are moving to Winnipeg. The, the Ice have been really struggling with fans the last few years. The 2002 Memorial Cup champion Kootenay Ice are moving to Winnipeg. Uh, they're going to play in the Wayne Fleming Arena where the home of University of Manitoba currently is. Uh, it's more or less just a move just to kind of more find financial stability. Greg Fetz is kind of the, own, the majority owner is kind of heading the move. He has his own um, entertainment group called 50 Below Sports Entertainment. He's kind of the head of it, trying to find a better home for the team. And he thinks, you know, they're going to try to do stuff in the southwest suburbs of Winnipeg, particularly in Oak Bluff. They're going to try to put a new arena in. Um, it's going to be a, a few-year process to try to get them. It's, it's going to be like they're trying to make that an entertainment hub, and the, they're going to try to center it around the arena where the Kootenai are going to play in. Whether or not it works out, I don't know. Um, but just a little, little junior news there for you. Um, some other, well, I don't say news, but stuff that happened the last couple of days. The Winnipeg Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers both played on Monday and Tuesday right after the All-Star break. Now, I get it. I mean, if you're Winnipeg, you're staying out of your own city right now. Um, pretty. I mean, you want you don't want to be in there. It's kind of cold a little bit. So, I just, my, my thing is, so actually, it's funny. They, they also, the like I said, the Flyers did the same as well. They played on Monday night. Philly, by Philly, I mean Carter Hart, beat the Winnipeg Jets. And then the next night, Winnipeg goes out and they have to play Boston. And they beat Yaroslav Halak in a shootout. Philly won last night, too, when Anthony Stolar showed the show. So, thankfully, it, it wasn't a disaster for both teams. I mean, obviously, when a, one team had to win the first game, but neither team played awful. But isn't it kind of dumb to have two teams a day, with one day of rest after the All-Star break have to play back-to-backs? Like, is that – I mean, maybe it's just a pet peeve of mine. I think, I think it was just a scheduling thing because, I mean, think about it this way. Not every player from these teams are going to the All-Star Weekend. It's only a select few. So, worst comes to worst. But Winnipeg had, they Winnipeg what? They had Wheeler. Did they not have Shifley too? I think they might have. I, I don't remember correctly. But, but but you get what I'm saying, though. It's it's not like the all, every player from every team is going down to All-Star Weekend. No, it's just a select few from each team. So, worst comes to worst, you play it back-to-back, and you sit one of your players that was doing All-Star Weekend for one of the games. That That's, that's not a huge deal, because there's situations where, you know, Early on in the season or later in the season where you have a back-to-back, you might rest a player just because you don't want to overuse them. And they didn't even have an all-star break before then. So it's not I, – I understand why it, it might be like kind of odd to have a back-to-back for two teams right after the all-star break. But it's just a scheduling thing because obviously you want to have those situations where after a back-to-back or in between a couple games where you have – you know, an extended period of time to get a few practices in and then go off and play, you know, in a way series or... Uh, like the or Leafs are, like, like the Leafs like said it because they don't play until Friday. Well, this, right. this is their bye week, so... Right, because certain certain teams get bye weeks this week, so certain teams have to make up for that. But so thankfully, that, that, I mean... That's, that's what's just happening. It's, it's not anything new. This has happened before. 
I, I mean, happens every year. There's there, there's teams that just have to play back back to backs. Well, I understand, but right after the All Star break, you know, you're trying to get on vacation. Oh, hey guys, we have a practice on Monday, Sunday night, and we got a game Monday night or Sunday. We have a game Monday night. Uh, yeah, so uh, get out, come back from Mexico or Cancun, wherever the heck come from. But at least they both end well. Like Philly gets two wins, and they have struggled so much. And Stolarz looked good, and Carter Hart looked good again. So it's good to see Philly do all right. And then at least Winnipeg got one win in all those two games. So sticking with Philadelphia, um, we've talked about Wayne Simmons. I mean, Wayne Simmons in spades almost. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent coming up here. He'd be a good playoff buy for a team looking to use some more depth scoring, using to use a big body up front. Radko Gudis is also a whisper. Who else? I mean, is there really anyone else that Philly – could want to give away. Obviously, Claude Giroux is a little bit out of a str- out of stretch by pretty far. Voracek's the same way. He's not worth as much as he has his contract lists. Who else do you think, Alex? Because you wanted to bring this up. Why do you think? Who else do you think the Flyers could put on the block? Well, I'm glad you asked because there's one player that you know. I because I, I my, my this is like one of my favorite times of the year because I like I love looking at charts. I think. Um, I love spreadsheets and stuff like that. Um, one of the players from Philadelphia, he is a 30-year-old. He's played 42 games this year. Okay? Makes $2.35 million, and he's got one more year left on his contract. Do you want to know who he is? Plays for Philly? Plays for Philly. His name's Dale Weiss. Oh, gosh. I totally forgot he plays. Yeah? <laughs> I totally forgot he plays. I'm sorry. No, no offense to Dale Weiss, but I remember he was on the like 20, 2013 playoff team in Montreal, a 2014 run. Like that's how old he is. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's the thing though. He's he's solid trade bait. He's got well, for what? I mean, what are you looking for? Him a grinder in the playoffs? I don't think you can have that anymore. I mean, he's a solid role player. You know, he can do his job and. The best part about him is that he's not very expensive. Of course not. He's. I'm sorry, like I said, I'm surprised he's still playing in the league. I mean, like I said, you're playing in Philadelphia. You're going to get a lot of playing time. But it's like... Well, obviously he's playing and he's making some decent money. Well, you need some money compared to the rest of us. Because the rest of us, there's Festivus. <laughs> I, know exactly. it's a little, I know it's a little late for that. But, um, but say in the Metro, Columbus, there is, for a team that is... Three points out of the division lead. Three points out of the division lead, okay? The, obviously, our time Panarin is still not making any moves to trading. And, of course, ever since the Bobrovsky um, off-ice issues have kind of come to surface, there's been whispers of that as well. Are you, what the heck was that? What? Did you sneeze or something? Oh, no, I think my microphone might have been covered. Just keep going. Anyways, for like I said, for a team that's in a good position right now to make some hay in the playoffs, the way the team's playing around them, like Nick Foligno's looking good. Yeah, of course, Seth Jones is an all-star. Are you really... Obviously, if Panarin doesn't sign, yes, you may lose him for nothing, but don't you want to try at least one more time? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, don't, think, I don't, I don't think they're in a position to try. I mean, you're right, but you're going to have to get a lot in return. I mean, let's be honest. If you can ride out Bobrovsky, that's the hard part. Is what you got? I'm, so let me stick with Panarin. 
if you can ride out, get into the playoffs, yes, you make the playoffs, you get a couple more home games, whatever, and you're still building for the future if you move Panarin for the right price. Absolutely. Here's the problem with everyone talking about moving Sergei Bobrovsky. Who really needs a goaltender that badly? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quick go back to the standings here. I'm just going to run down what, what the teams are. Yeah, the New York Islanders, like I said, Robin Leonard, he's the guy. Run with him, go with him. Trots his confidence in him. Washington is Holtby. Had a little bit of a bad run there towards the end of the regular or the end of the all-star break, but he's still brain Holtby. You have Columbus, who's got Bobrovsky, of course. Um, those are the top three in the Metro. Atlantic, they have Vasilevsky. Toronto has Anderson. Montreal's Carey Price. The wild card, Boston has Tuukka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Pittsburgh has Matt Murray. Not his strongest year, of course, but the team in front of him is not as strong either. Buffalo has Carter Hutton. You have him locked up for cheap for a long time. He's perfectly capable of being an all-star goaltender for a long period of time. Carolina will be the only team right now that's in striking distance of a playoff spot in the East where you'd move him. However, you're already paying $4 million for a goaltender to bet to back up in the minors. Okay? Now, let me quick move over to the Western Conference. Winnipeg has Hellebuck. Nashville has both Saros and Pecorine. Whoever you want to start, it doesn't really matter. Minnesota has Dubnik. He's playing a lot better lately. Calgary is, yes, Calgary may be the team, but you have David Riddick and Mike Smith. You have two goaltenders that, and Mike Smith's pretty expensive, unless you move Mike Smith in the deal. That'd be the only team I could think of. San Jose has Martin Jones. He's playing a lot better. Vegas has Marc-Andre Fleury. You're not moving that. Dallas has Ben Bishop, who's looking good. Varlamov's playing well in Colorado. Yeah, Jacob Markstrom's your goaltender who's with Vancouver, who's, by the way, tied with Colorado for the last spot and tied with Dallas. But you don't want to give up a whole lot. You don't want to buy a goaltender just to make the playoffs. It'd be dumb. Anaheim's, Anaheim's the same way because they have John Gibson, and Arizona is still two points out with Calvin Pickard. But Arizona... Doesn't they're not going to do it? They don't. Have, they can't. They cannot actually pay the money for Sergei Bobrovsky. They have the cap space, but they don't have the actual money to pay him. Well, you do make some solid points there, and I'm just trying to go through. But I Bobrovsky is going to be hit or miss because not only do you have to think about you know where teams can afford to have him, it's where he would fit in. And that's why, and that's why I said Alex. I think the only team that would legitimately have a good reason, it's in a playoff spot to move, is Calgary. However, they have done so well with what they have now. Yes, in the playoffs, can it be different? Absolutely. And look at it this way: Mike Smith, Samuel Bobrovsky is at the end. He's on a UFA next year. Mike Smith's making four point two five right now. Bobrovsky's making what seven point two? Correct. Uh, 7.25, if I remember correctly, yeah. And currently, Calgary has 1.525, so a little over $1.5 million in cap space. Well, what about Vancouver, though? I don't think that's a team that's ready to buy yet, Alex. That's the problem. They're running with house money right now. They're well, run, they are they the are thing, the, they are they the have... Leafs in 2016-2017, the first year they made the playoffs. They are riding a team that, you know what? We have Matt Hunwick, Roman Polak. We have guy. I mean, sure they brought they bought Brian Boyle, but that's because they needed a def- they needed a center, and Frederick Gauthier's ankle was busted in three places. So well, well, hold on, hold on. Before I say anything, it it I am. And I'm sorry, Ben Smith was not going to be the fourth line center for the Leafs in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I am accurate in saying that 
they cannot trade ELC contracts, correct? Correct. Uh, there are no move clauses automatically. Unless it's, uh, I forgot what the clause is. So, maybe, actually no, that wouldn't work, because I was thinking they could maybe move Thatcher Demko down for, until he signs his UFA deal and then try to figure something out there, but that would seem like a whole lot of handiwork. Oh yeah, shoot, Vancouver, they have, they have... That's they have a Demko. great goaltender, Thatcher Demko, and then they also already have... And they um, have go- and a cheap goaltender for the future. You don't need to buy a goaltender. No, you don't. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a rough situation for, for Columbus right now because they're having a lot of problems. Unless... And, sorry, uh, sorry I'll, you go ahead. Finish up. Well, well just like I was saying, they have a lot of problems right now. And um, I was going to say that Maybe they could roll with trying to go and try to sign with a team or uh, try to trade with somebody like uh, Nashville where they're having problems with Pecorine, where UC Saros was having to come in there. But, I mean, hey, maybe they trade uh, Maybe they trade up uh, UC Saros for uh, Bobrovsky. And then in the playoffs, you have Pecorine and Bobrovsky as your one and two. Splitting uh, time. Now I check their cap friendly because I don't think that's possible for Nashville. They have um, seven point. Holy cow! That is a lot right. of money. Mike, I forgot Mike Fisher is not there anymore. Mike exactly. Fisher, you know he's ma- Mike Fisher. He's married to that one girl down there in Nashville. There. Yeah, that that Carrie chick or whatever. Ca- yeah, Carrie un- under under. He's better than both of you. Will un- ever under ply, under ply. Oh, Underwood, under plywood. Oh, okay? Underwood. That's her name, Carrie Underwood. Carrie yeah. Underwood. Yeah, she's saying a she's saying a couple of songs here and there. Yeah, the Appalachian folk singer, right? Yeah, something like that. Um. From Oklahoma. Okay, from the peanut gallery, she's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. West Virginia. (laughs) We're just naming off states now at this point. Uh, so. Okay, you can stop right now. But no. Um, in terms of landing spots for Bobrovsky, Panarin, that's an easy buy for any team. You can easily fit a player in there. Okay. Um, but moving. And looking at where teams are sitting, you're almost going to have to say, hey, what if Philadelphia does it for the future? Yes, it'd be hilarious to get Bobrovsky back after the way he's excommunicated for Berzgalov, but teams that need goaltending and that have the cap space to do so, they may not be in a playoff spot. Like I said, you have, I'm sorry, you have Philadelphia. New Jersey, maybe, because let's be honest, Corey Schneider's got to be out the door here soon, and Keith Kincaid is just—he had a good run last year, but that's not going to hold the bread forever. Chicago—I mean, I know, yes, I know Chicago sounds dumb. Quit laughing, but having like because Corey Crawford has clearly made a glass—well, not made a glass now, but he's his concussion problems have taken over. There is no question that he, you're going to be able to move forward with him for the long term. St. Louis has Jake Allen. Edmonton has Miko Koskinen. Arizona has whoever feels like starting that night. Oh, would, all I'm saying, Ty. I say, hey. yes, Arizona has the space. I keep saying it. Arizona has the space, but there's a reason why they have Datsuk and Pronger's contracts on there, because they don't need to pay them. Exactly. They, 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 don't, they have the space, but they don't have the money to. Honestly, I'm just I'm looking at... 
Nashville right now, and if they if they picked up Panarin and Bobrovsky in a joint deal, they can do it. They have the assets to give away, or like they're, they're not going to give. You, you, know, you already have two number ones because UC Soros, Alex, can play number one minutes. He can be a number one goaltender in this league. Why would you want to get rid of it now? Because he's still I'm, cheap. He's still cheap quality goaltending. That's something that's hard to get these days, Alex. I know, but uh, maybe, or maybe, maybe they'll just have to deal Panarin. Well, okay. Panarin. Yeah, if you're Nashville, you're going for Panarin hard, absolutely. Put him on the line with Ryan Johansson and just watch the points just go through the roof. I, I think at this point, talking about trying to trade Bobrovsky is is it's a broken conversation because every time that we like try to say, oh maybe we'll go to this team. But, oh well, here's the reasons why he can't go to that team. Oh well, he maybe will go to this team. Oh well, here's the reasons why he can't go to that team. Bobrovsky is a tough situation because he's a very very expensive goaltender and he's a UFA after this year. Right. So I mean, it's so Columbus is a tough spot. Either you're going to gonna have to sign an extension that he's going to have to take a huge pay cut or you're not going to be able to afford him. Right. But it's they're in a, definitely in a tough spot. and I'm curious what they're going to do here in the next month. We only have a little over a month for the trade deadline. Um, I'm. It's going to be crazy, man. Teams are going to be moving players that they shouldn't be moving. Players that they're going to buy players for way too much. It's going to be – it is the – it's the – it's one of the few silly – like it's one of two silly seasons. Free agency – the offseason free agency and tra- trade deadline. Two of the dumbest seasons of the year. Uh, that is it for this one. Be sure to use, don't forget, folks, to talk about this episode using the hashtag TKP or hashtag the Kiel Podcast. If you have any problems with Alex trying to talk on a phone, be sure to tweet us at the Kiel Podcast. And this has certainly been an interesting episode. I thought I was going to have to do it by myself again. Thank you, Alex, for actually deciding to make in some form of an appearance. You thought wrong. Thought wrong, Colonel Sanders. We will see you guys next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Kill Podcast. Kill.